This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In Galatians 4, Paul gives us an incredible observation concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've all been made sons and daughters of the King. When we read this chapter in context, the whole chapter, and not simply a verse here and a verse there, we find that Paul compares the children of Israel's bondage to the law with that of a bondservant. From the day that God gave Moses the Mosaic Law and the days until the days of Christ, God's children were put into service for the greater good of mankind, workers of the law in the fields of God's harvest. But in the royal family order, the heir to the kingdom does not labor with the servants of the field. While the bondservants worked long, hot days in the sun, heirs to the kingdom enjoyed the fruits of their labor. They were heirs, not bondservants. In the verses right before Galatians 4, the last few verses of Galatians 3, Paul tells us that through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been made heirs to the promise of Abraham. Though we were not Jewish, we're heirs to the kingdom through Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We are all one body in Christ Jesus. But as a child, heirs are not much different than the servants, even though he is Lord of all. Paul says that he is under tutors and governors until the time is appointed by his father for his inheritance to be fulfilled. The child is governed by law, rules in place by his earthly father. Paul compares this to the evolution of mankind from law into grace. That bondage that continued until the fullness of time came when God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Verse 7 says that we're no longer servants, but sons. And if we're sons, then we're heirs to the kingdom from the Father through Christ. 
but the cult will tell you the opposite. By nature, a cult comes to place you under bondage. Weights are added to your shoulders, things that you must do in order to make yourselves feel more righteous to yourself and to others around you. Those within the walls of your church must seem to be more holy than those outside the walls. Otherwise, you would never submit yourselves to become bondservants of a misguided leader. Branham taught that when Christ came to fulfill the law, he taught that that meant Christ came to lift it into greater power. There are cult churches that refuse baptism for the poor child with no father because of this one heretical statement. Serpent Seed, he says, We went back in Deuteronomy and showed that an illegitimate child, a bastard child, could never enter the congregation of the Lord for 14 generations. That was under the law, and Christ come to magnify the law. How much more is it now? 1958, 0928E is the sermon index, the serpent's seed. In 1965, when Branham preached the sermon, The seed shall not be heir with the shuck, to the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association in Los Angeles, California, Branham took that chapter from Galatians 4, reversed it, and threw it back into the faces of the other men in that meeting. This sermon had a hidden agenda, and that agenda was to sever the body of Christ. That agenda was to promote himself as the new high priest, calling those who believed in his failed prophecies to be the ones with the seed, and calling, calling those who realized that Branham promoted false doctrine, calling them shucks. He says this, 1965-0429. Now remember, according to Revelation, the whole mystery of the book is sealed with seven seals that the reformers didn't have a chance to bring forth. The four stages of reforming, the four stages of the four beasts that went out to meet the four powers of the world. The first went out was, what went out first? A lion to re meet the Roman age. That was the word, the original. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Christ himself went to meet in that age. What was the next animal that went out? The next went out was the other horse rider. Who is he? See, the first horse rider was dressed in white, crowned on his head, later and so forth, with a bow but no arrows. Notice the second horse that went forth. The beast that went with him was an ox. An ox is the sacrifice. They went down in martyrdom during the Dark Age. The third beast was the next horse. Before the death horse rode, death and hell, the next horse that went, the next beast that went to meet the rider of that day was the beast with the face of a man. How many knows that? The intellectual age, the reformers, Luthley, Wesley, Calvin, Knox, Finney, Moody, see? But then notice, and listen to this, what he's saying here. But then notice what went forth at the evening time. An eagle, a prophetic back again. It shall be light about the eagle time, the way the glory you will surely find, O church of the living God. This sermon and this teaching was modeled after the teachings of Joseph Smith. While Paul tells us that we have a new high priest, Jesus Christ, 
Branham tells us that the prophet will replace that high priest. The eagle himself, he's saying, was the evening time ministry. In the book, the, in the, the teachings of Joseph Smith, chapter 8, we find many of Branham's divine revelation that seem to have come directly from the false prophet of the Mormon church. Listen to how similar this section from the Mormon book to Branham's sermons like Seed is not heir with the shock and Who is this Melchizedek? Listen to this. It says this, The priesthood is everlasting and has been held by prophets in every dispensation. There has been a chain of authority and power from Adam to the present time. The priesthood was first given to Adam. He obtained the first presidency and held the keys of it from generation to generation. He obtained it in the creation before the world was formed, as in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. He had dominion given him over every living creature. He is Michael the archangel, spoken of in the scriptures. Then to Noah, who is Gabriel, he stands in the next authority to Adam in the priesthood. He was called of God to this office. He was the father of all living to this day, and to him was given a dominion. These men held the keys first on earth, then in heaven. That's the teachings of Joseph Smith, chapter 8. And if I were to place Branham's name under this paragraph, there would be followers that would say, Hey, amen, brother, that's the divine word of our prophet, William Branham. But it's not Branham. This is Joseph Smith. And with the foundation of this doctrine, Branham builds a set of walls around his followers with the sermon, Seed is not air with the shuck. But rather than promote the words of Paul as they were intended, his entire sermon was focused on five chap verses in that chapter. He says this, Now in Galatians 4, 27-31, I believe I have it marked down here, I'd like to read this for a text. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate has more children than she has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. But then, but as then he was the born after the flesh, persecuted him that was born after the Spirit. Even so is it now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondswoman and her son? For the son of the bondswoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondswoman, but of the free. It's 1965, the seed shall not be heir with the shuck. Now, when reading just a potion of Scripture without reading from the entire chapter, his sermon sounds scriptural. Why not? It did come from Scripture. And that Scripture said to separate ourselves from the bondswoman because we are heirs, not bondservants. And considering the other verses in the chapter, these verses are a good summary. We are not servants to the law. The body of people showing our works, how our works righteous faith could never save us from sin and death. We're not the ones showing example after example in the scriptures where we constantly turn towards idolatry and repeated punishment, repeatedly reaped punishment for sin. We're not the ones condemned to death 
for our failure to uphold the Mosaic law. The bondservants were. The children of Israel were. They were the ones condemned to die. They were the ones living under the bondage of the law until Christ come to fulfill the law and to redeem them from their sins and save them from eternal separation with God. Christ did come to magnify the law. He put it under examination, under a magnifying glass, under a microscope, to see just how all the law had failed. Paul called this law obsolete. Throughout the Old Testament, where was a seed and a shuck? Abraham's earthly seed was the bloodline that produced the Christ child. And it could be traced all the way back through time to, through the children of Israel. There was a seed and there was a shuck. God called Abraham to be, called Israel to be a separated people. The pagan nation served idols and they offered themselves to false gods, creating a situation that would have resulted in another great flood to wipe them from the face of the earth. They were the shuck to Abraham's seed. And if we follow Branham's serpent seed doctrine that originated from Jewish mysticism, we can easily come to the same conclusion. The earthly bloodline from the Jews to Christ was kept pure from the pagan Gentiles. The Jews examined countless genealogies under this false religion that we now know as Kabbalah. They examined who was considered to be holy and who would never make the little bride because of their family histories. But this seed and shuck doctrine under the new covenant of grace is contrary to Paul's message to the early church. Paul says this, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 5. Nor, in other words, don't, devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Again in Titus 3, 8-10, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they're unprofitable and they're worthless. Sermons that are based on five verses in the Bible, are not based on the meaning of the chapter itself. The false teacher can take five verses and point them in any direction that, he, that pleases him or that suits his hidden agendas. Five verses do not provide an understanding of the meaning of the whole chapter. One chapter does not provide understanding of the meaning of the whole book and one book does not provide understanding of the entire Bible. The whole Bible must be presented start to finish. The whole Bible is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It tells the story of how Adam and Eve lived under grace until the fall. Once they knew the difference between good and evil, they fell from grace. Evil grew and it dominated. Mankind had knowledge of both good and evil, but did not know how to live in a way that was righteous. The entire earth, save Noah and his family, were so filled with evil that not a single grain of good could be found. God started over. Law was introduced. God's children became bondservants. The high priests were their tutors and their governors as they grew into maturity. They learned by experience, continually failing to uphold the law. 
But God loved us enough, even though we were bondservants, that he sent his only son to be a bondservant. He fulfilled not only his bond, but also the bonds required by each and every one of us. No longer would we be bondservants. We would now be joint heirs to the kingdom. Those who study Branham's little snippets of Scripture that he calls a potion of Scripture usually get a good chuckle when they realize just how backwards that potion really is. Knowing how well-read Branham was and how fictitious his life story really was, I think even Branham himself must have gotten a few chuckles from this phrase, potion of Scripture. It's like a witch's brew. Take a verse here, snip a verse out there, mix them together, and you have a new potion that casts spells on entire congregations. Those who study the scriptures behind the, scripts out, the snipped out portion that Branham gives and seed was not air with the shuck, those who study this quickly realize that this is the case. Even Paul condemned this very thing in the chapter before, Galatians 3. He says, O oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who used potions of Scripture? Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently set forth, crucified among you. The, this only would I learn of you received ye the Spirit by works of the law, or by hearing of the faith. In other words, which saves you, the law that failed, or faith? He asked this, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? It's Galatians 3, 1-4. Paul was speaking to the Gentile church in this letter. The Gentiles were not believed to be seeds of Abraham's promise to the Jews. The Jews struggled with this because they were not the pure and holy bloodline. They were the serpent seed. They were the shuck. But God does not look at the blood of a man. He looks at the blood of his only son, which covers all sin. We're no longer to view ourselves as seeds and those that are shucks. That teaching leads to pride, and pride is a sin. According to Paul, the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches the seed to love the shuck. It teaches the seed to walk hand in hand with the shuck, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who would believe. It teaches that we have only one simple requirement in order to become heirs to the kingdom, faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I would tell you how wrong this seed and shuck doctrine really is, pointing you to scripture after scripture after scripture in the New Testament that compares Branham's message to Paul's ministry. I could show you not only how conflicting this doctrine is with the message of Paul, I could show you also how damaging this is to the church itself. But all you need to do is read Paul's letter to the church. There's really no need to go through all of this. Whenever a false teacher tries to preach you a sermon based on five single verses, 
There's no need to fear being misled by some devious mind. All you have to do is read the entire chapter. Read the chapter before it and also the chapter after it. God has everything we need right there in his word. Here are the words of Paul. Condemning Branham's false doctrine called the seed is not heir with a shuck. Paul says this, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. Listen to that. Imprisoned. The scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith come, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned, until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ come, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs to the promise. So ask yourselves, who must you be one with in order to inherit the kingdom? Does Paul say one with Branham? Or does Paul say one with Christ? Christ.